Hello, disciples of the blood god. It is I, co-host Nadia Oxford, aka the most technically proficient podcaster in the world. Just a heads up, we have some technical difficulties on this episode and the post-show, which resulted in my mic sounding a little bit muffled. Uh, my voice is understandable, it's, it's just not pretty. Uh, in other words, it's kind of business as usual. So, uh, sorry about that. Thanks for understanding, and I will try... Well, I'll try not to suck as much in the future. Thank you so much for listening. God, a cool RPG podcast for cool RPG people. I am your host, Nadia Oxford. Cat uh, left to buy cigarettes again. This time in Japan, so I'm really hoping she brings back some like cool Hello Kitty smokes. Uh, for now, I'm here with my co-host Eric Van Allen. Please say hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> podcast canceled. Everyone go home. Good night. We had a great time. <laughs> uh, and to make things worse, we have uh, my good old friend here uh, as a guest uh, anthony john agnello say hello hello i, I Nadia, how long has it been since i've been on blood god has it been like three years know. at this point a long time it was a long time ago you were with me on retronauts we talked about um that's right yeah we talked about radiant, radiant historia, historia. I, which was a great game great episode oh, I, I highly recommend it a wonderful game where everybody took a lot of time to edit the script and make sure that the dialogue was brief and direct. That's my clear memory of that game. I oh. had totally forgotten that you could have a path where Marco could lose his mind. But anyway, I'm not going to say more because I don't want to spoil it. But uh, we have a whole, whole heck of a lot to cover this week anyway. Uh, first, though, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Acts of the Blood God only stays alive and breathing via your generosity. Please continue to listen, please tell your friends, and please support us over at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod. A shout out to our stars of destiny who are here joining us live from the $25 tier. Let's say some names now. Uh, we have to say hello to uh, Teeps. We say hello to Azixa. Grab me for, for butchering this. Drainier? Drainier? I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have Drew WLX. Sorry, Drew WX. EJ. Gamer-esque, Kal-El, Not Hollow, Nuclear Sandwich, Ruka, and Zoo Batman. Thank you all for being here, and uh, this is a good episode to be on because it's going to devolve into chaos very, very, very quickly. Our main topic is actually the Nintendo Direct that uh, was kind of sprung up upon us out of the blue alongside the uh, Sony Showcase. And I'm not really in games journalism anymore, but so when I heard that was happening both on the same day, I was just like, oh, RIP my homies. Still yeah. stuck in the game press. Dude, yeah. I'm I'm three years out at this point, and when I found out that there was going to be a state of play after the direct, I was like, Oh, that'll be fun. I'll have to make sure I watch it. And then I noticed my right hand was doing a pre-write. <laughs> my heart started Just to like, speed up. And then they announced the release date for NAC three, and it's like, No! Stop! Stop! <laughs> Don't yeah. do it. Back three. <laughs> you just like you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you looked over and you'd opened a tab and it just said TKTK release date announced <laughs> oh. on it, like written over and over again. <laughs> Shudder. Look, look over and it's like everything we know about Spider-Man 2. Oh. Be like, why? Oh, I don't even know what this WordPress interface is. When did I open this? I don't... <laughs> the classic game of what do we know for sure? What might show up? <laughs> what won't show up? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it gave me some PTSD. And what makes it worse to me, it's like, okay, Nintendo Directs, 
from my angle now, I can admire, wow, these guys get to the point, they're in, they're out, they tell you everything in like 45 minutes, and you're done. And it's that's great if you're watching, but dear God, if you're writing a Nintendo oh, Direct, if you're covering it, Lord help you. You're, that, you're not surviving. This Direct, specifically, speaking as someone who was oh, covering it in the moment, yeah, yeah. is one of the faster Directs that I've ever seen. They they opened this thing, and they didn't slow down until the, the Pikmin stuff in, in the middle. Like mm-hmm. There was a solid 20 minutes where it was just like, bam, 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 bam. And it's moving fast enough that, like, to give you all some insight about how this stuff is usually covered, especially if you have a smaller team, uh, usually you are kind of making decisions on the fly. So some stuff you know is coming. You might even have some pre-writes prepared or or you might have heard some stuff or you might even have embargoes going into it that are just like, hey, once you see it on the stream, like set it live so you have all the information already you just set it live but sometimes you're making decision calls as you're going so something Mm -hmm. comes up and maybe like like sparks of hope is a good example we already got a bunch of info on sparks of hope back during the ubisoft forward we didn't really need another hit on sparks of hope we knew that you know small team let's let's get moving to the next thing that's like a little bit of insight for y'all this thing was moving so fast, I I wasn't even like, what is news? What do we write? Like, what's going on? The, the Xenoblade stuff, I wrote that up, and I'm pretty sure uh, I wrote maybe like 10 words in set live because I was just like, we got to go. Like, trailer in, lead image in, throw some words in, put it live, on to the next, I'll backfill later. <laughs> like, Eric, we're, 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 was, was your text about the Xenoblade announcement... Why does she look like that? And why do they keep mentioning that she's mechanical over and over? They sure did. Good old Takahashi. God bless you, you perversions. She like weirdly reminded me of a character. I want to say like a Ruby character or something that I've seen before that has Mm. that same look where it's like all robot body, but then like anime girl head. Mm. But yeah, it's it, it was like a really weird design. And they just kept being like, yep, she's a robot. robot girl and i'm like oh why they're like really they're clear up front like don't she's a robot if you had questions about what's going on with her don't worry we got the answer robot and i'm like that that doesn't answer that's more problems like what's going on so yeah i mean i guess i'll buy the expansion pass to find out i the expansion pass stuff does look good for xenoblade yeah it does that's the upside but I remember Xenoblade 2 has some really great expansion stuff and, and like, post-game uh, stuff. So, mm-hmm. definitely worth it, I think. I need to buy it myself, too. Uh, but, yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about a little bit about that. There's a lot about the Nintendo Direct. And uh, Yakuza got a lot of amazing Yakuza news. We'll get right into it. But first, let's kind of warm up with our sacrifices to the blood god. In other words, what we are playing. So, uh, Anthony, you're our guest. Why don't you go ahead and start? I am sacrificing. Oh, man, I'm so glad that I know she's a robot girl because when I it's, finish it's okay the campaign, <laughs> I know I'm prepared. I I am uh, in the midst of the emotional journey you were talking about in the last episode, Nadia. I am mm. just about uh, at the end of chapter five of Xenoblade Chronicles three. Mm. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I was this close to bailing on that game. Uh, really? chapter four, I was like, you know what, Mr. Takahashi, I think that I'm done with your bad pacing. I think I'm getting <laughs> out of here because 
Look, there is no game in history that has the Xeno prefix on it that is paced well. Not once. Mm. It's not mm. happened That's a single true. time in 24 years. <laughs> uh, it never will. And it never will. But, I, you know, this is one of the few times where Xeno game legitimately has something to say. It's not just like, why don't we spend 160 hours watching Glasses Girl and Robot Girl breathe heavily at each other? That was on PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do it again. And this time, there's like a real story about humanity. And I, I swear to God, chapter four, I just want to be like, will you please bring all of these leftover anime tropes to like the soup kitchen and donate them and just get rid of them? <laughs> because it's not adding to any of this. Chapter five is wonderful. The battle system is wonderful. I do think I'm going to go the distance, but at the risk of outing myself as a pervert, I do not enjoy this one as much as Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I think 2... It's okay to be a pervert. Yeah, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I just... I, it's 2 was so buoyant and lovely and fun, and Did I loved it. you have to it. lead with buoyant? You couldn't, like, sandwich that Eric, one after a few other I, things? I, <laughs> Eric, I'm a wordsmith, okay? I wanted to knock right at the edge of that word choice and... <laughs> Damn it. Uh, no, no, I, I, I understand that the last five years since Xenoblade 2 came out was, was difficult for the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And I understand true. you need to make a mm-hmm. dark game, but, mm-hmm. you know, get, get to the point. Chapter 5 is so wonderful, but it should really be Chapter 3. Anyway, I, I think it's very good. I like it. Is It's one of those moments where I, I almost miss writing... Uh, reviews because yeah. I think that mm-hmm. this is like a juicy opportunity to get into you know a game with a lot of gray area uh, I have played through the Harvest Stella demo oh and, how is that I didn't mm, have time you know what uh, here's my favorite thing in the world it, Old Square is back baby it's happening <laughs> uh, yeah. Old Weird Square for yeah. sure Old Weird Square like this game starts and you've everybody's seen the trailers for Harvest Stella it's like, oh, yeah. you go on an adventure, you do some secret of mana stuff with a sword, and then you harvest a, a carrot. But in practice, you start the game, and it's like, boom, a freaking spaceship mm-hmm. falls in the ground, and you gotta carry <laughs> a space does. lady out of that. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this this feels like there's like a there's gonna be a, a Brave Fencer Musashi demo disc in the back of the case yeah, when yeah, I buy this thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Go to Pizza Hut and get that shit. Hell um, yeah. It, it's weird as sin. Uh Eric, did you play through it? Did you play the Harvestella demo? I've not played all of it. Uh I'm on like day five or something, so I've already when I saw the the armored person, I was like, there's absolutely an anime girl inside that armor. <laughs> I, I know it. <laughs> With every fiber of my being, that there is an anime girl inside that armor right now. Um, yes. <laughs> and sure enough, I was proven correct. But I I think it's cool. I think it's doing some interesting things. I also think it it handles a bit strangely. And oh, yes. I posted this on Twitter as a joke, but it's also kind of like my larger takeaway from the game is they have that opening cutscene where all this stuff is blowing off and there's like giant beams of light and all the townspeople are like in chaos and stuff and i just like posted a screenshot and i was like 
okay, but like, when do I get to start planting some potatoes? (laughs) (laughs) You gotta wait, you gotta wait about 15 minutes before it lets you plant a little potato. And I just, I like five out of 10 square. I like it. I Mm -hmm, like square when they're like, you know what? Why don't we stop trying to act like we're changing the world with every single game and just get out there and just crank it out. Just crank out some weird RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm delighted. Like, I, the low the low stakes and awkwardness. When I pressed a button and watched my character swing a sword way too slowly after the fact, and then yeah, a sound yeah. effect was a little mushy, I was like, oh boy, that feels great. That's <laughs> that's everything I've ever wanted from you, Square. It's all happening. Welcome back, 1998. Yeah, uh, and d- related, uh, I'm still in Live Alive. Uh, I'm mm. a little dera- mm. derailed. I've only finished three character stories, but like uh, playing Live Alive is like being on an exercise regiment. Like, oh man, I gotta go do my, mm. I gotta do my quads and Xenoblade, <laughs> and like, ooh. <laughs> Now I can have a cheat day. I get a little treat, and it's live alive. I can have a few minutes with it, with the lovely pixel art. Um, but that's a weird game too. Uh, and I, I, Harvest Stella, there's a a direct lineage. You can look at the family mm. tree that starts with Live Alive and trickles on down and ends up with Harvest Stella. You know, twenty six years later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good though. I. It's all freaking RPGs all the time, actually, over here these days. Like, the only time I'm not playing an RPG, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, either old stuff or new stuff, because that's what my six-year-old loves to play. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good game. You're talking about the, the collection or the new one? All of the above. All of the above. Just and boy, she, she is just pissed that you cannot be april in those old games she is oh, uh, yeah. uh, no, april's got to be kidnapped got to rescue someone i guess she's not happy about it she is happy that she's in the genesis fighting game and she's mm-hmm. like evil she loves that but not not a fan of not more playable april o'neill so i didn't even I tell her about that. i didn't tell her about venus de milo she doesn't know I can't. (laughs) You know what? I actually watched like Phalus has a whole series about the next mutation, and Venus is by far the least worst thing about that whole show. And people getting angry about Venus is just like completely. Man, have you seen the rest of what's going on in that show? It's absolutely disgraceful what they did. And I'm not even a huge Turtles fan, but geez, it's embarrassing. It's a horror. It's it's a horror. It's a horror. You're right. It's a horror movie. It should be filed under horror (laughs) behind a beaded curtain or something. (laughs) Uh, Eric, what are you playing? Uh, it was a weird week for me because it was mostly a work week. Of course, uh, yeah. So a lot of my time was spent either like working or trying to decompress from the workday and mm. failing. Uh, <laughs> so I had two two things that got me through that. The first one, uh, I played the Valkyrie Elysium demo. Uh, oh, I, mm. I'd gotten that early actually from the folks over at Square Enix. Um. I do want to say one thing just in general about both Harvestella, which I also played and, and Valkyrie Elysium and even Dio field squares getting real into the business of putting demos out and especially demos that transfer progress forward. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it more than any other company I've seen do it. And it's largely separated from a lot of kind of the mandated demo stuff that we're seeing around Sony and stuff. So shout yeah. outs to that. For sure. And, oh, and yeah. I'm saying the nice thing because the Valkyrie Elysium demo didn't really do much for me. Uh, er- mm. Eric, I 
I would say pound for pound, my tied for first place for my game of the year is Triangle Strategy. Still, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. I loved it, and I bought that game out of like righteous indignation because I <laughs> finished that stupid three hour demo. It's one of the worst demos I've ever played, and I was like, I put three fair, goddamn fair. hours into this. I'm gonna play more of this game, and then immediately after the demo, it becomes amazing. And yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I, I, you know, their their demo strategy is brilliant. It's it's, it's working. Also, really good because it gives them a chance to get feedback from mm, yeah. people, and yeah. they've done some really great adjustments to games. Triangle strategy like, is a good example. Triangle strategy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Bravely default, Bravely default two. Like they've always listened to feedback, which is really important because it's the it's the people who are going to tell you, oh, here's these picky little UI situations that aren't bad mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. they build up over time. It's going to be really a, a, a terrible thing. So, yeah, I'm glad they do that. I'm glad they listen. And, hell, you get a head start. You get all that trans that progress transferred. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. So the Elysium demo, I actually think, is a rough demo because I think it doesn't show a good side of the game. It does that thing where it kind of Metroids you, where you start out with a bunch of powers and then just mm. arbitrarily don't have them anymore. And there are certain aspects of the game that I think I want to see how the progression rolls out in the full thing. And, and the slice they give you is basically what the tutorial is, where they teach you a bunch of mechanics up front. It almost feels like the tutorial was put in to be like, if they didn't have that and they just started you with the rest of the content in that game, you would have never known that the Ein Harriar stuff was in there because you don't unlock mm. the Ein Harriar in that demo slice I played. And that is like a big yeah. piece of what I think the combat of this game gets interesting with is like being able to summon uh, these Ein Harriar fighters who uh, don't just fight alongside you and do special attacks and also unlock kind of Metroidvania alternate routes but also uh, allow you to quickly swap the elemental charge of your weapon and kind of like deal with different enemies in that way, along with your magic, which has elemental ties. They have some really cool ideas there in terms of like switching element and switching weapons for different weaknesses on different characters to kind of quickly rack up these combos, which will keep your meters running and keep you doing cooler and cooler stuff until you get to the point where you have a finisher. I think the combat's really cool. It's just the story and the world are not hooking me. And I know that Valkyrie Profile was not the most like upfront with what it was doing, but at least starts yeah. out with some really cool world building stuff. And Leneth is cool upfront. Like the Valkyries are interesting from the get go. Mm -hmm. And this Valkyrie barely even talks. And she has some cool asides in combat every now and then. You know, she does the, to my side, noble line, here you are, and all that. And I love that. That's good stuff. Yeah. But, like, in the game, she's not an interesting character, and I'm just not grabbing onto it at all. So I, that's one where, because of how games are turning out, I'm probably not going to get around to it for a while. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to see how, like, reviews come back on that. Uh, Square's also just like blunderbussing us with a bunch of games right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm afraid that this is the one that's going to get lost in the fold a little bit. Um, no way, dude. Star Ocean. Star Ocean's just going to. No, get so Star Ocean, Star Ocean is too big to not notice mm. the catastrophe, is the thing. Like, that's <laughs> like that ship 
you're not gonna like miss it sinking like maybe even valkyrie elysium is not that one because like the dio field chronicle is out there and it's a little like rinky dink boat and it's just gonna like hit a rock and capsize and everyone's gonna be staring at the giant liner that says star ocean on the side sinking into the ocean i, I just want I, everyone listening right now every single one of these games with either a switch or a ps4 skew go buy the physical copy of all of them you don't have to play the new star ocean you don't have to play valkyrie elysium just take it put it in a shoebox and then yeah. we're all gonna wake up in 2045 and you're going to have enough to buy a house with mm-hmm. yeah yeah um it'll be your kid's inheritance and to be fair i think out of all the stuff that square is putting out this fall i would put dio field like higher on my interest list than i would put star ocean or valkyrie Mm. at this point um that one like really caught me it had like some cool ideas and so i'm interested to see how that turns out too but because this was like a big game week for me i needed something to like decompress with that was not a video game but was video game related because my brain still needs to turn something into content so uh i watched all of cyberpunk edge runners this week which is the new netflix anime i hear it's good set in the world of cyberpunk i really liked it like really really liked it it is studio trigger who you might know from things like darling of the franks or pro mare or kill la kill uh they are animating it and it is very studio trigger in that sense it's got the i i love when trigger does the stuff where you have two big dudes and they're like getting increasingly closer while like grunting at each other like you don't know the meaning of the term honor and then the other one like gets closer into his face is like honor is a construct and i made the system and they're like getting like closer and closer it's really good uh this is i think what edge runners does this so amazing is that it makes me realize that night city is actually a good setting um mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i think that's like i am a noted both anti-fan and currently playing through cyberpunk 2077 for a podcast (laughs) called normandy fm and uh one of the things that i kept coming back to in our pods was that i don't think 2077 makes enough use of the fact that they are in night city and that they have technology and that it's a cyberpunk world it too frequently feels like grand theft auto but they use the system from Arkham Knight where the Joker follows you everywhere, only it's Keanu Reeves. And uh The Joker is Keanu Reeves. I'd watch that. That's yeah, really good. Yeah, Keanu Reeves as the Joker as Johnny Silverhand, following Batman V everywhere. But like Edge Runners does some really cool stuff where they take those structures. Like they use a lot of visual language that is the same as Cyberpunk 2077's. Like the hacking interface is the same mini game, and so when someone's hacking somebody else, you actually see them like moving the cursor around on the screen, and it's playing the mini game like they're just like mm-hmm. speed hacking somebody. And they use the same text and call interface, but like mm-hmm. one one part that really struck me was there there are two characters getting intimate. And one of them is like having a text conversation with someone else. And you're like flipping back and forth between them. Uh, like that one movie with um, the guy who plays Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor, um, where they do the the thing where they're talking on the phone, but they keep like moving 
the camera angles around so they're in compromising positions. I'm getting way out here on references. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> uh, but like, have... does that happen in Moulin Rouge? No, uh, it's like a really weird rom com with Ian McGregor and somebody else. But, oh, uh, it's uh, Down with Love. It's Down, in Down with, with Love. love. Down, Down with yeah. Love. I haven't seen it. Great movie. Uh, it's it's a weird movie, and it's one that I haven't seen in like ten years at least. But that is like one of my favorite use of camera angles in scenes, and I always think about it. Uh, anyways, like they're they're having a text conversation, and I was like, oh right you could do that in cyberpunk that's totally a thing but because it's a video game when you play it in 2077 they have to talk at you like it's borderlands and have like the the radio conversation (laughs) coming in at you and it made me realize how much of that world 2077 never tapped into but edge runners Mm -hmm. doesn't just use it it like uses it to really inform things and i mean you get to see the perspective of this character david martinez who grows up in the slums of Night City and his mom is kind of working overtime to get him into Arasaka Academy and get him a life that is in the Corpo track because she doesn't want him to get swallowed up by the city like everybody else's. And so you see him leaving the apartment and he's stepping over all these bodies and, and like just people that are just being swallowed up alive by the city as, as you're watching it. And as he gets further and further into the city towards Arasaka Academy, you see it get cleaner and more corpo and more techno and there's like fake atriums and stuff like that and mm-hmm. it just uses the the city and the language and the ability to not have to be a video game and not have to be the video game that 2077 is where i'm sitting here and i'm like there are so many cool things you could do in this world that is yeah. not making what is essentially a deus ex grand theft auto matchup eric and, let, me, let me ask you a quick question about cyberpunk yeah. 2077 because the show the show seems to be like oh let's take this seriously like the world building that has taken place here matters and we should use it for something Mm -hmm. the game the the game seems like a movie prop it's cyber cyberpunk 2077 Uh seems like a game that like was conceived at every level to be a fixture in like a shitty johnny mnemonic sequel like oh ooh, this yeah, is dynamotic this, in the theaters yeah, this is this is the game that people in this world play all the cool people play cyberpunk 2077 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. consideration into making it like a compelling experience like i don't think anybody thought about the things that you're thinking about in the making of this game I, cyberpunk 2077 is the video game that wants to be every video game like mm-hmm. I, I we actually said this on a recent normandy I was talking about it that like we were in some section where you were doing some mission and I was like, this is such a call of duty mission. Like you have Mm -hmm. this set path and you are like doing things like you had to take out snipers along the path of this parade float. And it was very much like you would expect to see it on an E3. I'm pretty sure it was actually like an E3 gameplay demo or something like taking out these snipers as your dude on the, on the other side is like, okay, good, we're moving forward now. Let's let's get to the next objective. And and Ugh. I was like, this is such a Call of Duty mission in the middle of a game that wants to be Deus Ex, but previously mm. in that mission, they're like, oh yeah, we should ch- like test this thing out. Go over here. And you see like a door that is locked that you can either like hack or smash through. And then directly next to it and slightly higher is like an open vent. And I was like, they made the most compact Deus Ex level I've ever seen in my life. They just like reduced it down to its core components do you want door or do you want vent and 
it, it like that game wants to be everything. I mean, it was clear in the marketing that it wanted to just have everything be everything. They made such a huge deal of cars, and I cannot tell you any amount of time that I spent in that game thinking about the vehicle I was driving outside of yeah. wow, this vehicle handles like shit. <laughs> and what a what a what a goddamn waste what a waste in every but, but way. that's why edge runners is fascinating to me is because mm-hmm. like cd project has said that they are going to carry on with the cyberpunk ip not cyberpunk 2077 yeah to be clear i saw some reactions to that quote that were like they're gonna make more cyberpunk 2077 no they're carrying on the ip in the same way that they're carrying on the witcher ip not mm-hmm. making more of the witcher 3 or something but it's there is so much to do with this and i mean we have other cyberpunk properties that we could absolutely pull from i mean ghost in the shell i think deserves Mm -hmm. a new video game and you've got classics like you know shadow run obviously uh that you can definitely go into but i think edge runners proves that night city specifically like the cyberpunk property has something worth exploring and is not worth like it's not worth, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, right. <laughs> like it's like 2077. It's probably going to have some sort of bizarre like actually it's already been happening. Like, actually, it's a good game now. It's, it's actually it's just a functional game now. Look, some there is some kid that was 13 when that initial version was like pulled from PSN. Oh, and they played oh, that yeah. game start to finish. And they're going to be writing the most breathless think pieces in, that are airing on <laughs> Brainjack Tube or whatever in 2038. Uh-huh. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, there was a time in my life when I thought Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the fourth one, was one of the greatest <laughs> video games ever made. Possibly Great. the that greatest was a good video game, game though. ever made. And look, that game's a banger. But I also now realize that there's a lot more you can do with games. And we have also evolved past that as a game. And also that game has the benefit of not just being, oh, we tried to put everything in a video game at once. <laughs> so Guys, like, Nadia, Eric, I used to think Legacy of Kane was good. I thought that was a good <laughs> game. Is that what the podcast is now? We just say <laughs> things that we used to think were good that are bad? Because there was a legitimate year of my life where I was like, Bioshock Infinite is a fantastic video game. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I skipped that one entirely. Oh, good. I thought good. The Songbird was a neat design, but yeah. I I, I like parts of. I, I I actually think the underwater DLC that they did starring Elizabeth was interesting, but that mm-hmm. was only because it completely got rid of most of the parts that were extremely bad about Bioshock Infinite. That's the way uh, to do it. But yeah, no Cyberpunk Edge Runners, especially if you want some anime in your life. It's like ten episodes, like twenty minutes a pop you're you're looking at a breezy weekend watch and uh you might walk away from it being like hey you know it's doing something it's got a segment where like two characters go on like a pseudo first date and they play like this synthy love anthem over the top of it that's like borderline it sounds like a zed song you know it's like flock of seagulls yeah it's like space age love song it's like you hear it and you're like oh this is going to be the song of the summer this is like this is that that song that everybody listens to all the time and they're having like a heartfelt time like joking around with each other and stuff. And you're like, yeah, yeah, 
yeah, I get this. This is good. And then like a character dies later and you're like, oh man, I really cared about that character. That was a complicated situation they just went through. That was hard. <laughs> it's It manages that. And you know what? That's more than I could say for Cyberpunk 2077. So, <laughs> so that is that is what you are, are playing and watching. And uh, that was a pretty funny tangent, actually. So <laughs> yeah. I'm good with that. Uh <laughs> I am personally playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I am basically chapter 6, just doing all the hero quests now and a lot of subquests. I saw that scene where, like, uh, Uni is like, what about babies? You got any babies? Like, you know, she's going out to a married couple. She's like, I love that. They're just such, like, they're like five-year-olds, like, going to a, a, a woman on the bus. How'd that get in your tummy? And... I just think the dynamic is so funny. Uni is like the best character. I, I, I don't want to like settle the game awards already right now, but they need to make a new category that is just best character. And it's just Uni from Xenoblade Chronicles 3 over and over again. And then Uni wins the award for best character of the year. Like, <laughs> it's no competition. It's a, a total sweep. No, I agree with that. Also playing uh, Final Fantasy 14. I'm always doing like dailies and stuff like that. Trying to level up my archer to 90 almost there mm -hmm. uh i really like the island sanctuary and yeah. it's not exactly like a super in-depth fancy stardew valley equivalent by any means but what's really nice about it is when i start up final fantasy 14 sometimes i'm like oh should i do my dailies oh should i do a roulette and i feel a little bit overwhelmed and i'm like uh this isn't fun i don't want to think about any of this when you start up in sanctuary and it's like okay i'm gonna feed my animals i'm gonna uh, get their stuff. I'm going to collect my crops. And mm -hmm. it's just a good mm -hmm. way to settle your mind and decide, okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. And uh, yeah, so having a good time with both of those. And my my history this week is pretty short. I, I didn't really try anything super new. So uh, there you have it, I suppose. I got my motorcycle from that, uh, the Island Sanctuary. I like hit level 10 and, and got my, my motorcycle with the Island Cowries. And so I think I'm done with island for a little bit but yeah that's <laughs> as long as you got your motorcycle you're I got, good i what, what's really funny is i saw some people saying that uh there were like all the people talking about all the drama right now with the savage raid and all that stuff and it was like all that happening over here and then like over in the corner it was like erpers -er celebrating the greatest update to ever happen to this game island sanctuary <laughs> and i was like oh Oh, God bless them. <laughs> I love how the recent media events like uh, that they do every year for to kind of commemorate the uh, release of the game. The, it, the, the quest involves showing a cat boy over to the quicksand, which is the infamous ERP lounge of like <laughs> every server. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, Square, you did that on purpose. You know exactly you what you're doing. Shepherding a cat boy doing. into the quicksand. They're, they're the ones who wrote that line with um with ishtola in the most recent expansion all right the one where you can literally call ishtola mommy and yeah <laughs> like square knows what it's doing especially in final fantasy 14 <laughs> square always knows what it's doing but that was uh that was my my fun uh gaming stuff for the week i suppose nothing fancy we should probably move on to a series of random encounters this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. 
wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right, well, let's start this off real big. Speaking of one and two, HD remastered. Air horns. Uh, uh, here. I just, I just, it, I, I always think of the end of Groundhog Day. You know, Bill, Bill Murray wakes up in bed. Andy McDowell is sitting there and he basically just starts weeping. He's like, it finally happened. It's tomorrow. And I, 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 this is, this is how I feel as a person who loves these games. I'm so happy they're back. Um, this is a little, little inside baseball. Uh, I'm no longer on the press side of things in this world. I'm now in the, you know, sort of sinister business and marketing side of video mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, happens I, to all of us at some it, point. Happens <laughs> yeah. to all of us. <laughs> And I, I do not a, a, a an insignificant amount of work with Konami, and uh, this isn't you know this doesn't break any NDAs or anything. But one of the things in January of this year uh, that I was working on with Konami was Konami came to us and said, you know, w- you know, we want you to make like a big event for the Kawabunga collection later this year. But also, can you come up with an idea for what would be a Konami Direct? Because we really want to do mm. a Konami Direct. And we're having trouble convincing, you know, uh, we're we're having trouble just, you know, making that happen. And so I did. And I was like, look, people would freaking love that. They would love there to be a Konami Direct with what you guys have in your back catalog there's just this this real mm-hmm. groundswell of enthusiasm mm-hmm. and trust again especially after you know the recent anniversary collections for castlevania and uh, contra you know, people are ready to love again konami they're mm. back they've forgotten all about the erotic Kojima. balance <laughs> the pachinko machine uh it's all in the past and uh you know i was like you if you guys do a direct you could just dominate the conversation for like two weeks and one of their producers looked at me and he's like, oh, man, we could do a lot more than two weeks with what we have coming. And I, oh. <laughs> and I was like, Dang. yay! <laughs> that guy sitting on the other end of the table like, you have no idea what we're capable of. <laughs> it's like, do you like do you like duck people? And I was like, you're not bringing back so we get on three. And they're like, we're not. We want everybody to forget the duck people. No, that, that part of the story. <laughs> Part of the story never happened. <laughs> that, that, that is a fantasy, to be clear. <laughs> that is a fantasy. But these are wonderful games. They're they're incredible Absolutely. RPGs that hold up wonderfully uh, all these years later. And my favorite thing about Suikoden 1 is you can finish it in 10 hours. And it's a killer, complete, awesome story all mm-hmm. on its own. Mm-hmm. 10 hours. Yeah, uh, I'm just like, kind of. I haven't looked too hard because I really don't want to get a deluge of negativity but i personally kind of like what they're doing with the graphics here 
You have the HD backgrounds, yes, but they're not touching the sprites mm-hmm. that I can tell. And that yeah. is so important because all these games coming out, they're like, hey, we have sprite smoothing. Nobody really wants that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sweden 2 for my money is maybe alongside Breath of Fire 3 has some of the best sprite work in the industry, period. Like, you know, pre-modern age when everyone started doing it again. But I am just, like, glad that's not going to be touched as far as I can tell. The backgrounds in Suikoden are less impressive than the character sprites. So if they want to make those a little, you know, get to those up a bit, that's great. Oh, what I want to know, maybe you know this, uh, Anthony. Is there a retranslation going on for two? I couldn't really tell if the, the there dialogue is, was different. I, I, and and you know, this isn't like insider knowledge or anything, but yes, they're retranslating yeah, they're one and two. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good, they're, good. They're, I didn't notice that. They're doing both of them. Um, and it, as far as I know, the music's not re-recorded. That's uh, the, mm-hmm. it's going to be the original soundtracks, and that, that that's that. I, I think they I, look I'd incredible. say I'm fine with the original soundtrack, but the castle level three music is terrible, and I don't know why that <laughs> happened. I from what I saw, and and granted, this is only from my experience and having played what I've played of of Suikoden into and all that. Uh, it really feels like they are everyone kind of has to make a decision when they come to these remasters nowadays, especially mm-hmm. with the way that HD 2D has kind of changed stuff is that there are kind of tiers now of these remasters where mm-hmm. are you going to just kind of put the game out on modern systems and say like, it's out now on modern systems. We did our job and look, we're going to get to a game that's like that pretty soon here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or you go like the full HD 2D route, like live alive, which is really cool, but, is a lot of work and especially if you ever go look at a comparison of what the old live alive looked like Mm -hmm. to the hd 2d it is frankly jaw-dropping they put in that much work for live alive it is i cannot believe it happened uh and i what has impressed me about suikoden is without going the full like we are we are doing this up at a level that some might even say might be too much uh, they are making some smart choices about what to update and what to yes. keep in the original style and the original look. And that to me, like singles a lot of respect for what the original was. And especially coming from Konami who has had some bad PR in the past about, you know, the way they treat their franchises and, and turning them into pachinko machines and stuff like that. It is really cool to see how they have handled a lot of these retro collections and bringing these games forward without necessarily trying to do something like motion smoothing the graphics out or whatever. It is frankly really impressive. They need to add, they need to add checklists for the character lists. Just, (laughs) Oh God, guys, I can't play Konami. I can't get to the end of Suikoden two again and have 107 people and then realize I forgot that stupid squirrel and then have to go find (laughs) that idiot squirrel in some open field. You can't do it to me anymore. <laughs> yeah, there are moments where you can miss characters. Like, mm-hmm. you can miss Clive mm-hmm. very easily. Oh. You can miss, uh, what's the name of the kid with the dragon? Like, uh, Flitch or, uh, Butch or, I don't know, some some kid with the dragon, which is the whole it's side flit. quest you can pass. It's Flit. F-L-I-T. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, you Butch, can miss his dragon. That's not right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Either way, he's an idiot with a dragon. You can miss him. And uh, there's just, there was a, I won't even say, I will not say what happened, but at, there is a moment at the very, very, very end of the game where you can screw up and completely oh, is, mess up your foolish. ending. And oh. I did that with my last, play, with, my, with my latest playthrough. And I was like, dear God, just kill me now. <laughs> but to be honest, 
Well, I'm not going to, like, get into this because it's all spoilery, so... But I will say I like the bad, quote-unquote, ending of Suikoden 2 a lot more than I like the, quote-unquote, good mm. ending, which, to me, is just shonen nonsense that I dislike for many reasons, but... Oh, I like uh, shonen nonsense. <laughs> no, it's not a... It's not the good kind of shonen nonsense. It's not... It's the kind of shonen nonsense that you say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, it's the power of friendship. <laughs> do you know how the, the game begins with dead children? Children are slaughtered, crying for their Z- mothers. Xenoblade 3 is full of shonen nonsense. Like, I, I would say that Xenoblade is 99.9% shonen nonsense in between a couple of dramatic beats. Some of the things they pull in Chapter 5, I respect and I enjoy, but I'm also like, oh, that is a fine line you are walking with some of these polls that you are doing right now. Like, it would be so easy to mess this up and get this wrong and look so foolish. Okay, here's the problem. I won't say anything more after this. I don't like the good ending because it does, it screws over a character who is well-established and just does something completely out of character. And I just don't like that. And I'm sure we'll get into a big, fat Suikoden 2 discussion when it's time because... Dear God, I'm sure we're going to get Schreier on the show again. He's going to lose his mind for two hours, and it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> moving right along, Xbox says it won't follow the PlayStation price hike. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. I don't know what else to say about that. I, I mean... Does anyone... <laughs> uh, look, I, I, th- I don't know... I don't know what day Jim Ryan woke up, and he's like, Oh, I've got it! We're going to make it 2007 again here at Sony! <laughs> I'm sick of everybody liking us after the PlayStation 4. We're going to make Lair again, and we're going to raise the price of the console. Like, I don't understand, like, why he wants to be, like, a late 90s era Simpsons caricature of Rupert Murdoch, but that's what he's done with himself. And I, I, I'm not surprised that Xbox is like, yeah, no, yeah, no. We recognize well, that there are a lot of fluctuations in currency right now, but we're not raising the price because we're not insane. We, we don't need to, like, go into this too much because it's random encounters and we can just blast through a bunch of these. Oh, but, right. We're supposed to blast through but, these. Yeah. Sorry, but, but the one thing I will say is that uh, Xbox is trying to play face right now because it really wants this Activision deal to go through. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, as much as I could look at the things that Sony is doing and be like, why are you doing that? I can look at like the way Xbox is acting and being like, you really want that deal to go through, don't you? <laughs> you really yeah, do not want to fail to buy Activision Blizzard. <laughs> they're having a bit of a hard, like, I don't know anything about business, but it sounds like they're having a bit of a hard time of it. Well, yeah, it's, it's a massive... Can you prove you're not a massive conglomerate? No, we're, we're a good old-fashioned down-home mom-and-pop This, this was going to happen with, I mean, both just generally it was going to come to the games industry eventually because it's been happening in just about every other Everywhere. sector of business right now, but also because of how much merging and acquiring is happening right now in the industry, there was going to be one where somebody just reached a bit far, and I'm honestly surprised it wasn't Embracer Group uh but <laughs> uh, microsoft, again. microsoft is the one especially because they are a a console provider alongside being a publisher and all that where yeah we're gonna finally have this we'll have it out in the arena and so that's why everybody's you know playing for keeps a little bit i i keep seeing people be like oh i can't believe jim ryan's getting so 
you know all about this and getting like really mad and stuff like that and saying all these things i can't believe you know phil's over here looking like a great guy it's like yeah they're both trying to get what they want right now (laughs) both trying to run a business There's yeah. there are two kids at the Toys R Us and only one gets the Pokemon deck with the Blastoise on it. And so they're trying to get the Pokemon deck with the Blastoise on it. <laughs> and this is not just me speaking from experience of wanting that Blastoise deck. I don't want this stupid deck with Lugia on it. I don't I'm want getting the bl- Charizard. <laughs> Venusaur? Are you kidding me? I don't care if Venusaur beats Blastoise in a tight matchup. It's still not cooler than Blastoise. <laughs> it kind of thwomps him pretty hard actually <laughs> okay so let's uh let's blast through the rest of it this and uh, let's see not nintendo online picked up sorry nintendo switch online uh has a few more mega drive games alicia dragoon which i've never played uh beyond oasis which i played and earthworm gym which i played on the snes uh like a dragon 8 confirmed stars both Ichi- ikiban and uh kiryu interim game will show kiryu's journey and also like a dragon ishin is on the way which i yeah. think had two dudes rustling naked so i'm in yeah uh Kojima's te- teasing something. Uh, uh, quote from Eric, I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> Advance Wars 1 and 2, not cancelled. Just delayed indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. Triangle strategy, going to PC. Uh, if you have a PC you did not play it on Switch, by all means, pick it up. Steam Deck, baby. Mod it. Uh, it, it would Mod be a great game. Steam Deck game. <laughs> yeah, put, put Mustadio in your triangle strategy, everybody. Do it. Just put him right in. Him and Ramza. And then we had a, a very big downer of an ending to the week with the mm-hmm. basically the elimination of Fanbyte, or at least everything that's not a SEO churning guide, which basically that's it for for their long form, which had some really incredible stuff. Fanbyte, yeah. I actually wrote an article for them about Final Fantasy XIV, uh, something about the music. I think I studied Equilibrium. Yeah, it was a really interesting site with a really interesting voice. Unfortunately, sites like those don't last when it comes to gaming. A U.S. gamer, of course, got shuttered. And... <laughs> Shoutouts to USG, baby. <laughs> yeah, shout out to USG. <laughs> so, I-, I hope everybody lands on their feet for sure. Yeah, obviously, like Fanbyte is a site that means a lot to Blood God listeners because, mm-hmm. like, Mike is on Dropouts. Um, I co-host a podcast with Kenneth Shepard, who was one of the news writers over there. Um, folks like Imran and Michael Hyam and all them have been on the podcast uh, plenty of times and it sucks to see a site gutted like that and it was one of three this week because G4 and Future also had layoffs this week and I did not even know about Future that's the world we're living in right now well and Future is is so massive at this point that you kind of have to say Future because if you start going like site by site there's like a a billion different sites that all got affected because it's Future yeah but yeah this is i mean one of the things i told ken was definitely like every i feel like everyone in media goes through this eventually like you you know this this happens and the worst part is like you can say oh you know if you know you gotta support the sites that you love and you gotta go click on their articles and that's true to an extent but it's also uh i read a good piece on it earlier this week over at hit points uh substack and uh it mentioned about how just something goes amber in in the cell in the column and all of a sudden it's like oh well that's a problem <laughs> gotta change mm. that and and it just comes crashing down like a hammer and that is just the reality of how this stuff gets made and so that's why like 
I really love what we do here at Blood God. I love what a lot of independent publications are doing as well because sure. I do feel like we are coming to a point with media where there's going to have to be some sort of reassessment of how media carries forward in the current landscape of the internet, you know? Um, I think it's just workplace has to, you know, work in general has to come forth in a whole new direction. Uh, yeah. I mean, I will say if you are... I'm old. I've been at the freelance game for many, many years. I know my ins and outs, but I have to say, if you're young and you're entering the workforce, or you just entered the workforce, by God, you have to unionize because think about yeah, Fanbyte. Yeah. Fanbyte, the spigot was turned off by Tencent. Tencent made a billion, jillion, gazillion dollars in profit last year. Not even joking. Like, they... It's not a matter of, oh, we have to cut costs. Things are kind but of lean now. it could have made more, Nadia. It could, it could <laughs> always have made more. And that's the problem with this mindset. You just can't make people do more and more and more and treat them like yeah. cogs. And no, basically, their jobs were eliminated by some person who, as you said, looked at an amber column and said, oh, well, who cares if these people, you know, need jobs in the middle of COVID? Who, knows they, who cares if they need health insurance? Who cares about the rest of it? Just sweep them all away and mm -hmm. go buy another yacht i guess this, this, this might be good post show commiseration for the media <laughs> folks here <laughs> so we don't lose too much track of time but yeah, yeah for sure for I, sure I, I i think it's really important to emphasize something that both of you hinted at and all of that which is i know that sometimes the most painful part of losing an outlet and people at that outlet is uh yeah, I, 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 it might sound dramatic, but I think that fans and readers and viewers feel guilt. They feel guilt. They, mm. they think mm -hmm. I should have done more uh, mm -hmm. to help sure. these people. And both Eric and Nadia illustrated this very well. There is literally nothing you could do that would help them at an individual level. Yeah, there was Even, nothing. You could have had, fanboy could have had five times the viewers. It wouldn't have made a difference. And it wouldn't have made a, a damn difference in any way shape or form um but yeah that's a, a longer topic uh and a dark and thorny one so yeah for sure yeah, i digress sure. for for the post show Let's go back to talking about video games. Uh, we're going to get right on to the Nintendo Direct RPG deluge because, oh man, there is uh, a lot of stuff here. I wrote in the I wrote in the notes apparently all in caps. Fire Emblem Engage, Aqua Fresh Team Go. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I actually I actually think the game looks great. I I know people are like, oh, this is so this looks some gotcha shit. No, this this talks to my Xenoblade Two loving heart. Why do people? Who could possibly complain about this? I loathed three houses i loathed really? it I, oh. I loved it i just it just i look my favorite fire emblem ever was fire emblem echoes the 3ds one that oh. no one played wow yeah uh, cat loved that you should talk to her nobody nobody played yeah, fire emblem where echoes. was cat for this was cat proxied sending takes in look this game is hey here's a really good really thorny really demanding uh strategy rpg with no fat on it some really good character work and then some light exploration stuff on top of that so the yeah. trailer for engage just looks so effervescent and lovely and fun and i can't wait for them to announce an absurd limited edition uh i brought a visual prop for for this part when i looked at the outline i was like 
I want to show Nadia and Eric something. <laughs> I want, I want uh, as soon as that horrible Nintendo online store is selling that limited edition, I'm going to be there on day one so I can fuck with Fire Emblem fans. Because I like taking those limited editions. I like doing things like you get a Sharpie and you draw, oh no, my resale value right on the front. So it's like that permanently. This is this is what I think he is. This is Joker fans. burning a pile of money. What are you doing? I do it to every single one. Every one I get my hands on. This was just the closest one that I could get. Oh no, my resale value. <laughs> oh no, of my things resale to value. Yeah. There we go. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I love the character art. I think it looks absolutely. Great. I love that with the rings. They're putting mm-hmm. it like they're putting on their wedding ring finger. I'm like, are you? Is oh, this yeah. subtext? Are, are you no, cowards? This is text. This is you're marrying this... Marth to get his power. Like Nintendo really said, if you want this power, you're going to have to marry Marth. We just made a mechanic oh, out terrible. of marrying all the chess pieces together, <laughs> and yeah. I'm I'm here for that. Like if this is a game where it's about acquiring different rings that all have like Fire Emblem heroes in them, like in that art role that we had in the trailer, you can see Lynn and some other characters yeah. there. And I'm just like, yeah, I want to get really excited about like maybe you have a small party, but then they have the rings that have like a bunch of different Fire Emblem heroes in them. And so you're kind of customizing in that way. And, you know, maybe Maybe for this battle, I'm married to Marth, but then in a later battle, I'm married to Edelgard. Like, this could be really good. This could, be, could really be really fun. smart. Yeah, they looked over at what the Xenoblade 3 people were doing, where they're like, what are you making over there? Polycule? Why? They're like, that looks like a good idea. Can we, uh, can we use that? Yeah, but you gotta, like, make it different. Well, they'll get married in ours. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I want Yarn to come back and uh, Pan, I think, the bunny people. I think those are the coolest beast tribes ever, the Togwell. Mm, but mm, they're, mm. I also, I admit, I like it when Fire Emblem has characters who are like, this guy's actually a dragon. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And that happens like every game nowadays, but I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll eat it up. Uh, I'm sure it's going to have some link to heroes, which, because it kind of yeah. has the same idea of summoning... Ooh. Yeah, uh, heroes there's from other probably ages. some way in which because I mean heroes does have original characters in it because yeah. heroes actually has a storyline that I've heard is pretty darn good. It does, so, yeah, not um, bad. I wouldn't be surprised to see them cross some stuff over from there, or uh, kind of use some of that justification for what is happening in the world of whatever this crest toothpaste looking dude is doing. <laughs> uh, He's it's, got the it comes out the tube, both colors yeah, at the same yeah. time. He's, he's, yeah, he's got like the blue, which is the cool mint cooling, and then the red that is like <laughs> the cinnamon. The you know what it reminds me of? It just came to my mind. Remember uh, Gerard Way in Danger Days? He looked exactly like that. Yes, shit. he had the hair. Yeah. He's, he's Gerard he's Way. Starts singing that na 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 I am hyped for that. I love the original. I think the impression I get is that there is more character interaction in this one because uh, a lot of people do not like the first game for not having enough character interaction. But I love the structure of the story, how you kind of were on a spiral and you would get deeper and deeper into the spiral. And by the time you got to like the third chapter, which was like right inside the, the, in, the inside of the spiral, it just turned kind of like really dark and bloody. And it was just a really... 
Really interesting game. Can't wait to play the second one. I don't know if either of you liked Octopath much. I need to know <laughs> that they hired an editor this time. Because it is... I, I wanted to love that game, and I sank 20 hours into it. But the the droning, endless dialogue just killed it for me. It just... like I, it, The aesthetic is so lovely. The battle system is so good. Uh, but man, I love I, that battle system. It's that's great. great. And like the aesthetic in that trailer for two, the whole, you know, sort of. It looks vi- amazing. Yeah, it looks super <laughs> cool. The, the uh, oh shit, we're going to mix like a Chrono Trigger with a late era Miyazaki sort of uh, yeah. Victorian mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, but man, I, I, it's almost like they understood all of the aesthetic things that made mid nineties RPGs so powerful, but they learned none of the narrative lessons, which is Mm -hmm. you only have so much space for text. You have, you have an absurd character restriction. So you have to be so economical with your dialogue and character that it's just, it's all caramelized down. You just sit there and let those Mm -hmm. onions like, let the sugar mm-hmm. come out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just want that to happen with Octopath too, because one was uh, just a bunch of loose ingredients that hadn't mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Put I think together. a lot of people had that problem with it, but soundtrack just absolutely amazing. That I mean, theme, beautiful. Is, you hear it, and and like I I do think that a lot of games have a lot of great soundtracks these days, but Octopath has always struck me as like I hear that. Uh, like whistle that that flute kick in and i'm like oh yeah that's octopath traveler like i just know it right it's like borderline dragon quest fanfare level and i'm like Mm. yeah they nailed it on this one they they got it in one go and they knew it too they're just reusing it over and over again and so i hope that the game matches up to the fanfare (laughs) no for sure for sure i'm looking forward to it uh eric this is more for you tales of symphonia remaster 30 frames per second so some people have done some digging on this. I was very excited about this initially because I love the idea mm. of Tales of Symphonia getting a modern remaster. Right now, the only way to play it, really, if you don't own a GameCube, is to play the Steam version, which is the 30 FPS version based on the PlayStation 2 version of mm. Tales of Symphonia. Uh and some people have done some digging, and my understanding is that they have discovered that this one will also be running at 30 frames per second and likely be based off of the PS2 port, which is, I mean, they're doing it that way because it is, I believe, a Vesperia situation where there is extra content on one version that was not in the other version. Right. Um there's like some scuttlebutt and stuff about like, oh, they don't know where the GameCube code is and stuff, but like... I, it's it's random forum scuttlebutt. I don't put any. Yeah, dude, me they just I'm, they just put out one of their legacy GameCube games on Switch yeah, last year, I, and it was. Fine, I'm more so. like, I I have played both versions of Symphonia because I had the Steam version. I also have a, like a GameCube and a physical copy of Tales of Symphonia that will be buried with me upon my death. <laughs> I ri- have that written. Um, yeah, yeah, and and a CRT. CRT goes down there with me you know uh it's it's important it not for me it's for environmental storytelling so when they dig me up they can learn something about me in the process <laughs> they dig that up and say what the hell is this what was wrong with people yeah, in the environmental past? storytelling is important in my death uh, and so um oh my god it was the orange spice gamecube and the matching game boy player he must have yeah. been a king uh 
so I'm not like not excited for this, but it does maybe signal to me that this is a case of they are putting the game on a platform and there might not be a lot of work being done on it. And right. that feels like kind of a bummer because I think like Tales is on a high note right now. They're coming off of a rise, which was a huge, huge, huge reboot success. for that yeah. game. Like so many people got into Tales of Rise because of it. And I, I also don't think it's it's too strong to suggest that people who are playing Xenoblade right now might have seen Tales of Rise, played Tales of Rise, be more into that anime mm. goodness i'm one of them coming out of tales of arise i was like you know what maybe it's time to give xenoblade a shot and <laughs> here i am now in the deepest darkest pits of anime hell with all of you and i i just wish if you're gonna do symphonia like do it right do it up right big. i agree and i know this is maybe contradicting what i was saying earlier but but with suikoden there's a level that I can see there of like people who really care about what they are presenting and how they are presenting it. And I do wish that there was some level of like the 60 FPS feels real good on tales of symphonia. I'm not going to say that for every RPG. It's an RPG, but tales of symphonia is kind of a fighting game too. And like that 60 right. FPS just, it feels tangibly better. It's, it's that crispness, you know, it's that goodness. And so I, I saw I, the video of, of people like yeah. some of them, it up to 60 frames per second everyone's legs were kind of like like yeah you can Tom and jerry so there was at one point someone trying to mod it and make it happen to where to like <laughs> yeah. catch it like there there could be there could be a durante type person to step in and make something happen but it would take someone putting in a durante level of effort and there ain't a lot of durantes in this world so uh yeah it's i i i we have had to collectively as people who love RPGs suffer through so many horrible re-releases of things from publishers of every stripe that I understand the impulse to suspect like skullduggery and corner cutting with this. Yeah, for sure. But Bandai Namco has broadly done such a wonderful job with their re-releases of games from this era over the past couple of years. Like, Katamari Damacy uh, reprise and Mr. Driller Drill Land and you know uh, I don't I don't necessarily care for the choices they made but the recent Klonoa remakes are they put in a lot of effort so I think I think it's it's the most likely explanation is there very well might be a good reason that they can't just have mm. that cube version and we just don't know um, which sucks. But I, I, you know, I don't. I don't think it's they're trying to be like, ah, we're gonna pull a fast one on all of those Tales fans. Oh no, no, I, I would never, I would never attribute to malice what could easily be explained by either ignorance or we can't find it. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, um, like, like it's not. This isn't a Tales of Zillia two situation. There's oh, no reason to yeah. get out pitchforks, but right, right. In, unless uh, it, unless you're still angry about Zillia two, everybody. In which case. Uh, Speaking of a game that's coming back <laughs> that's looking real darn good, Crisis Core Reunion, y'all. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Oh boy, that hair, just that. Zach's that hair, hair, man. Zach's that hair. game that's looks some thick hair. Really good in a way that's making me go back and look at old Crisis Core footage and be like, that was a good looking game. That was that game that looked pretty alright too. <laughs> I've said this before many many times, but the cutscenes in that game were way 
better than they had any damn right to be. Right. Uh, Square was like that in general with his PSP games. The same thing went with, with the Dissidia. Like, that was a really good-looking game that had a lot of really fun, great fan service. And Crisis Core, it's like, I just can't get over Cloud in his I-can't-hack-silver <laughs> uniform. Like, that's so cute. I just I just need to hug him. It's like, aw, you can try again someday. I, no, you can't. I want to know if they're repacing it in any way. Because mm. Crisis Core, I went back and replayed it right after finishing Remake. And it is still a very, very good game, but it is very of its time. And it right. is, uh, you know, this is a game that is designed first and foremost for people who train, commute, and play. And mm. I, I want, I, I, I'm really hoping they've done a lot of, like, consideration for the fact that this is something that people are going to be playing in extended sittings, or they've tightened it up and shortened it in a lot of ways. No, I agree. Um, I think it's more of a beat-by-beat beat remake, but I would think that they made parts of it like a little more streamlined. I do think they mentioned quality of life improvements, so I'm mostly here to see Zach's fine, fine hair. I just... Uh, just do those squats. Just do some squats, big man. I want to see it. So mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. to it, and you can tell it's a very smart move by Square Enix, because from the minute I saw the demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake, I said, there's a Crisis Core reference, there's a Crisis Core reference, there's a Crisis Core reference, <laughs> Guys, where is this game like re-release? And thankfully, they came out with it. Right. And I think if you are a fan of Final Fantasy VII Remake, like for sure, you should give this a play. I am still tinfoil hat that they are going to put something in this to like try and do a tease or a link to the remake project because probably they, they, there was a quote going around where they said something to the effect of like you can consider this part of the remake project, which yes. like. Yes. Yes, the remaster of this is like happened because they are currently retelling the story of Final Fantasy VII and redoing it. And we we went through the whole thing about what remake actually means. And Cat is not here to defend <laughs> any of this. Cat is over mm-hmm. in Tokyo right now, so I can I can shout out how good my Final Fantasy VII Thrice Upon a Time this is. It's fantastic, but uh, it's. I, it, we talked earlier about like you know maybe there's not skullduggery maybe there's not malice going on Square Enix I think can't help themselves but put something in there to just be like oh and here's a little thing here's here's like a little bit here's like a scene right just at the one end more thing. right that, at the end just like teases right it. at the end just a little bit we're gonna we're gonna we're absolutely going to get a taste because if we weren't it would be called Crisis Core HD it wouldn't be called Crisis Core Reunion. Oh. Ah, there you go. Just yeah. what just, if? Just putting it out there. <laughs> what if they announce in like November? They're like, by the way, Crisis Core reunion coming out in December. Really happy about it. Chips with a demo of Final oh Fantasy VII Rebirth. I will. I will. I will. Uh, I will go because the copy of Final Fantasy Type Zero HD on my shelf will tell you that I will buy a game for a demo. <laughs> I will. What was the demo for that? That was Final Fantasy the, 15. The, the, that was 13 too, right? Uh, no, Type 0 HD yeah. was the Final Fantasy 15 demo, and I have never played Type 0. <laughs> I bought a $60 video game for a Final Fantasy 15 demo. <laughs> that ties into something else here with Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, 
next game, uh, what what do they call it? Like, uh, Infinity, go kill yourself or something. Final <laughs> bar line, that's it. Like, I am so freaking stoked for that. And I noticed they had a Type Zero song in there. I'm like, did anybody play that? I, I sure didn't. I played Type Zero start to finish. And that because... is that is why I want so badly to know that they have reconsidered how a PSP game is going to play <laughs> on a console. <laughs> because they did not last time. <laughs> did they learn their lesson? Let's find out. <laughs> I like Hopefully I I, I liked when Type Zero came out because Hajime Tabata's whole approach with it was just like yeah man whatever it's back out there play it or don't I'll do I'll put <laughs> play it or don't I'll put Third Birthday out again you bet I will you can't stop me it's that goofy face of I'll fucking do it again <laughs> do it again <laughs> Goofy shut up shut up Tabata Tabata shut up. I'll do after years again. I swear to God. He's he he bailed. He's not even there anymore. He went off. Oh, his, oh that's right. That's right. That's right. It's like I'm <laughs> covered in blood. Started his own. I'm gonna get out of here. Studio. Make my own RPGs about people wearing Boy, jeans. Two, two weeks see. in a row of goofy impressions on on the backs of the blood god. <laughs> that's right. We had one uh, last week. Yeah, too, for, for the... Disney next to my apparently impressive Mickey Mouse impersonation. I don't know. I'm yeah, not, that's pretty good. I'm not doing uh-huh. it again. <laughs> <laughs> Have either of you played Atelier Riza at all? I that is a huge blind spot for me. No, but I'm fascinated by something I saw online about this where people were theorizing that they have made this protagonist slightly thicker with every entry in the game. So no, it's was like, true. It's someone true. was like measuring it and they were like, they've done it with every entry and they did it again. <laughs> and I was like I, I love that the fans of this series are so into it that they're like, they saw that trailer and that was the first thing they noticed. They were like, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> she keeps getting thicker. I mean, heck, as a woman with huge ass thighs too, I appreciate it. Just Chun Li, whoever that was. The knob they keep cranking every single. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a slider. <laughs> it's the director, the director over it. NIS is sitting, or Koei Tecmo is sitting there. He's like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio at the beginning of Men in Black. More. <clears throat> More. More. <laughs> found the anime More. thigh slider. Someone tell Ubisoft they can finally do it. <laughs> uh, I, I have uh, played the first of these games because about every four to five years, a fever comes over me, and I'm like, this mm-hmm. time I'm getting into the Atelier ser- series. This is it. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I, dude, I bounce off those games hard because they just pummel you with systems immediately. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you, I, I don't know if you guys get the vibe looking at footage of these Ryza games, but I was like, oh, the battle system will probably be a pushover. Oh, no. Those mm. battles oh. are demanding. And oh, I'm no. like, I, I'm a I'm 40. I don't have time for this. I, <laughs> I am 30 or 40 years old. Like, I do not this need this. This is too much. And I'm like, but how complex is <laughs> the battle system? <laughs> how long do those battles last? I, 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 yeah, I. it's it's too many ingredients. I, I, I'm i thrilled for the fans of the thickness, but nah, it's not yeah. for me. Do either of you care about Pikmin? I've never been a Pikmin fan. I just oh, want Pikmin's Little King's great. story. Pikmin's yeah. a good time. I want Little King's story yeah. again. Give me yeah. that. Give me people dying instead of plants dying. That was a great game. Like, the only complaint I have about Little King's story is it 
kind of ran like crap on PC. I hope they fixed it by now. It was a long time ago when I played it, but God, I want that game on Switch. Uh, I'm happy for all the Pikmin fans. I just never gotten into the series. Maybe this will be the time. I don't know. There's one I've been meaning to get around to called Tinykin that a lot of people are playing and saying mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, oh, okay. It's apparently like a platformer with a Pikmin twist, but it's like more platformer than Pikmin because Pikmin was kind of like Nintendo making an RTS in the way that Splatoon is Nintendo making Call of Duty, right? Where it's right. like, you know, we've taken the the like core components of this thing and then Nintendo-fied them and and done something amazing and completely reinvented the genre by accident. <laughs> and uh I Tinykin kind of looks like somebody went like, but what if we like turned Pikmin back into Mario but still had like Pikmin in there? And it looks kind of neat. So that's one that's been on my radar too. And, I think it might have actually been in this direct in like one of the montages or something. It, it's been a long week. I don't remember what video games are anymore. Weird thing about Pikmin is Pikmin 1 and 2 are preposterously stressful games. Yes. Like they look mm, so cute sure, and they look sure, so yes. lovely and they are harrying. And mm-hmm. I, the only one of those games that I really love is Pikmin 3. And I only love it on the Wii U because having the second screen makes that game tolerable. Mm, and right, I, right. I, you know, I it, playing the deluxe version on Switch, it really lost something. Um, so I don't, I don't know how this. The, I, I think it's significant that they were like the perspective is different, and we're going to present everything in a very different way. So maybe it'll. Maybe You're it'll right. Pleasant. You might be onto something. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see pikmin 4 and and kind of how they they move forward with this series as well like what they can do to kind of keep it fresh i mean what nintendo has shown over and over again is that they can take something like kirby and Mm. you'll be like i know what a kirby game is and then they'll come out with a kirby game this is absolutely a kirby game but you're like oh this is a good kirby game this is delicious Kirby. <laughs> uh, maybe they do that with Pikmin. I would not be surprised to see them pull that off with Pikmin. It's It's been enough time, and I think Pikmin is in a good place right now, too. Like A lot of people have a Switch and would see something like Pikmin and be like, oh, I've never tried one of those before. I'll try right. this one. I think that's Nintendo is now like, we can open the creaky vault doors and let out all the weird IPs that have been back there. <laughs> Except you, F Zero, get back in there. <laughs> F Zero gets a rot. No, Someone, you're right. I think that to keep maybe the wheel running. <laughs> this is the like if they really did take a, a minute to make things a little more accessible. Because as you said, Anthony, that they, they are harrying games. They're they're not nearly as relaxing as they look, and mm. I think that's what turned me off. But so if they say, hey, you know, here's a mode or something, or here's something we did to make things a little easier a little more relaxing if you want that option. I would probably be way more into it. I seem to remember that the reason I love Little King's story is that time limit just wasn't really there in the same way it is in Pikmin. Mm-hmm. And I, because I, I love the gameplay idea of throwing minions at things and like having them, you know, smack their face against, you know, like, remember the Simpsons bit where uh, Luke Perry goes flying to the, <laughs> into the wall? <laughs> A new look for Luke. Yeah. Something like that. Ah, my but, face, uh, my beautiful face. My face, my valuable face. <laughs> That's one of the best Simpsons gags ever, I think. You think about it, you go through all that st- He lands in the pillow factory, and the pillow factory gets bombed. That's brilliant. That, Come on. That episode, pound pound for pound, that episode, because it also has Bette Midler exploding a pickup truck by throwing a can. <laughs> I'll get you for this, shot, Midler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, farming, 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 farming. 
I like farming games. I don't know how you all feel about them, but people are like, oh, too many farming games. And it's like, do you see what else you have here? Why are you... Impl- As someone who was a Harvest Moon fan from day one, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just love the fact that we have all these weird-ass farming games. There was someone on Twitter, uh, apologies, I don't remember who it was, if you're a Blood God listener, but they were saying like they played Harvest Moon on day one, and said, wow, what a weird, interesting game. Too bad this will never catch on. And <laughs> it mostly caught on because of, say, uh, Friends of Mineral Town is a big one. Uh, of course, Stardew Valley is the yeah, big catalyst. Yeah, Stardew Valley really feels... Like, Stardew Valley and then Animal Crossing were, like, yeah. the one-two punch here. Um, yeah. And, like, some of these I'm more interested in than others. Like, Fae Farm is from the Dauntless developers, I believe. And so I'm kind of curious oh, to see how that. that turns out. Yeah. Fae Farm also has like a, Fae Farm has the Crystal Chronicles vibe to it, which is really yeah, cool. Like the yeah. four players and I, it looks neat. You're right. Uh, Harvestella we talked about. I think It's a Wonderful Life remake is the big one for a lot of people uh, because that one is like notorious for being one of the better. I mean, now it's Story of Seasons, but it is Harvest Moon. Was that the N64 one? I that was don't the think I played that. GameCube one, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get to um, play that. But it's one where, like, I, I forgot who was posting about this because I hadn't played it, but someone posted this that, like, to get cows, like, to get milk from the cows, you had to have, like, cows that could breed or something like that. And they were like, we're mm-hmm. teaching the kids how a dairy works. <laughs> and, Basically, yeah. Um, where do you think milk comes from, kids? And it was, uh, I, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but the other thing I will shout out is a uh, friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard, is a big it's a wonderful life and uh he's really into it and he pointed this out on twitter that they have incorporated uh same uh same gender uh romance so you can basically oh, you can romance that. whoever you want and also we didn't mention this about harvestella but harvestella has options for being either male female or non-binary mm-hmm. and i think it's really cool like farming games a big appeal of them is is both role-playing and romancing and i think having those options in there for for players to still enjoy them is really cool it's really fun and it it, it's a nice touch that they can add going back to these remakes uh the same way that fingers crossed i don't think this will happen but i my wish is that when the persona 3 portable remake or, or or whatever remaster whatever is coming out that they will just say the protagonist can romance whoever they want God, and, yeah. and just be done with it and say like, that's what we're doing with this. That's why we're doing portable protagonist can romance whoever they want. But uh, it's, it's a nice thing to just be like, Hey, this, this is cool. You have options. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're not going to have to like play as one thing to be able to romance the person you want or whatever. So. Yeah. yeah I think that's pretty important. Uh, this one is for Agnello. I know you're going to love this because we're talking about Breath of the Wild 2, which has yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Yay. And Agnello loves the love, weapons love, break Zelda. faster. <laughs> I hope they do. I hope they break 20 at a time. There's only one blacksmith. And I you have to go on your sword up and it falls to ash like a Mordor knife. <laughs> it just fades away. Be like, go get 9,000 Korok seeds to get it back, jerk. Uh, I'm a changed man. Man, I love, are you seriously? I, I like Breath of the Wild now. I did it. Wow! I finished Anthony it. Blink twice if Link is holding a crossbow. <laughs> right maybe, right maybe, maybe we all got through the pandemic 
and change. <laughs> I have a point there. I, 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 I came to really love and respect Breath of the Wild. I'm never going to say it's my favorite Zelda. Which um, is fair, yeah. Look, nothing is going to change the fact that th these games are directed by the guy who directed Skyward Sword. So evil has a face. And we <laughs> just 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 remember that. No, I, I think it looks cool. I I want to know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I, they showed it for like 30 seconds. Do you remember the first time yeah. we finally saw Breath of the Wild E3 2016? And it's like, oh, and it's just like Link pushing around a rock. Like, you're not. Yeah telling me anything like you gotta get in there breath of the wild is something that like i didn't really get what breath of the wild was going to be until i went to e3 and i was standing behind i i like went to a demo thing and there were three of us there and i was like ah it's i, I don't need to play zelda someone else can play the zelda i'll just watch and uh i was watching it and i was just like this doesn't look like zelda at all yeah. what's going on here what are you yeah. doing and they're explaining how like the inventory works and all the plateau stuff and i'm just like oh this is doing something different huh and then i played it switch launch day and just i mean hours went by mm -hmm. in, in in a blink and that that game is now one of my favorite games of all time and it's it's incredible but i think the weird thing with breath of the wild 2 is they are now tears of the kingdom as we get to finally call it uh they are being very precious about what is happening in this game they are very much. i feel like that first teaser we got was really exciting because i love messed up zelda i love oh, Link's awakening and majora's mask and twilight princess where they're just like man what if we made this really messed up and i i i got a lot out of that and then every time since they've been like look at link he's glitching through walls and stuff and he's keeps jumping off of really tall heights like he should be turning to the camera and saying like i'm link welcome to jackass like that's, <laughs> i am curious you know there's a lot of theories about why they're not showing so much why they're holding so much back but i am at the point now where i'm just kind of like well it's it's what we got a date now it's like may i believe mm -hmm. um may 12th and it's, it's that's not that far away like i feel like i have seen more of the next final fantasy 7 remake than i have really seen of yeah tears of the kingdom i mean i only just learned what the name was <laughs> and everyone was like tears of the kingdom and i was thinking like bob Ben to fan for reboot oh cool we're we gonna go around <laughs> fixing things with glitch that sounds awesome i i do love the theory that they intentionally did not air it in the uk because it was called tears, <laughs> tears of, the, of kingdom. the kingdom that's pretty funny it's yeah it's just pretty funny that that happened <laughs> i i don't think that's why because everything's just shut down because of the queen dying but that's the funniest correlation i've ever heard i really want it to be true i mean yeah uh, look we actually have a we have a, a holiday in canada on monday apparently and everyone's like no you don't we're still working <laughs> i don't know <laughs> 91 million people are going to play this game in oh i thought you were talking about the queue to oh, see yeah no yeah <laughs> <laughs> see the queen. The queen. 91 million people are waiting in a line right now <laughs> they're all over there they're waiting for their chance to steal those 2868 diamonds in her crown that they're burying her with uh the no. queue Jesus. 
the queue does fascinate me because I, I want there now to just be one GameStop in the US that sells <laughs> Breath of the Wild 2. And so we have to make our own queue. <laughs> oh my God, that would be a disaster. I can't even think of that. The the smelliest queue you've ever smelled. <laughs> oh God, of... I lined up outdoors for the Wii U and I said, never, never, never again. I did line up for the Switch at US Gamer to kind of ride by the experience. That was indoors. That was in a mm-hmm. mall. That's fine. I'll put up with that, but I'm never waiting outside again, especially in the wintertime. Go to hell. I don't remember the last time I lined up for a video game. It probably would have been in college because I did a lot of like midnight releases then, but it would have been something like, I don't know, Mass Effect. No, you know what? I did go. I didn't even pre-order. I just went to GameStop at midnight and they were like do you have a pre-order and i was like no nah, can i just buy kingdom hearts 3 and they were like yeah sure and then i i got back and and several days later after i'd finished kingdom hearts 3 i was like probably shouldn't have gone to buy that at midnight because that's going to be the last game i ever buy at midnight it's going to be <laughs> kingdom hearts 3 and i don't like this game <laughs> i did the exact same thing for the exact same game and got home and at 1 a.m I sat there watching Woody hold back an anime boy. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. (laughs) That, that part ruled. That part was great. It was the whole end part where they were like, remember how we had this plot line about Kyrie finally getting to use a keyblade? Well, no, fuck that. (laughs) It's out right out. There was someone on Twitter again. Sorry. I don't remember names, but they said they were lining up for a midnight release at something at GameStop, like Red Dead Redemption 2 or something. Apparently a pickup comes roaring by, screeches to a halt, like someone like holds out their game and says, We got the game, nerds, and took off. <laughs> oh, I think that the digital age and Amazon and the age of crazy pre-order stuff has kind of killed midnight launches. And in a way... I want to tell the children you missed out, but I at the same time I can't lie. Like it's just no. it used to be you got sore fun. ass, you were cold. Uh, if you were lucky, Nintendo would give you a grilled cheese, which was actually yeah. really good on the Wii U line. They, they used to be like tailgate events, and then mm-hmm. they just turned into a bunch of people standing outside and being mad at each other and stuff, and like arguing about <laughs> video games. I don't want to go stand in a strip mall and argue with someone about the last jedi while waiting for kingdom hearts 3 in the cold like that that's so low on my list of things i want to do <laughs> it's very weird it's that there is a one-to-one correlation to the decline <laughs> of the midnight sale experience and like video game fandom on the internet it used to be so fun and civil and now there's see, just was some guy really angry good. about the last jedi <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. And then this website called Reddit launched, and you can actually see the downturn in fun. <laughs> Think about it. I will. No, you won't. <laughs> all right, we should probably move on because it is getting late here. We're all being a bunch of nerds. Uh, <laughs> let's do the next part of Autumn of Avatar. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now we have watched episodes, uh, what was it? Uh, 13 through 18, was it? Yeah, so is the blue spirit up through the yes. water bending master? So we're right before the, the two part finale of book one at this point. And banger episodes this week. Just, I mean, blue mm-hmm. spirit. I, I feel I, I am kind of happy in a way that we forgot to talk about the storm last week because I do feel like the storm where you get kind of the backstory of why Zuko is the way he is. And then going directly into the blue spirit where you have, by the way, the spoiler shield is up. If y'all have not watched the episodes yet for this week, please jump ahead 10 minutes or whatever. Um, But we get to the episode with the blue spirit where Zuko goes to save Aang from being captured by the Fire Nation. And that is such a good complex twist of this character that suddenly like takes this guy who was very cartoonishly evil was always like oh avatar you got away again and (laughs) iroh's in the back like i'll just sip some tea and like they have a great Um, dynamic but it's very lotus my lotus piece yeah this is this is the point in avatar where it feels like they're suddenly adding a lot of depth to these characters. Yeah, I agree. Where, where Iroh and Zuko are really starting to grow. And I think one big moment for me in the, in the Blue Spirit was when Aang is sitting there. And, and, you know, he had that moment where Zuko gets knocked out and he decides to rescue him and not leave him to the Fire Nation and be discovered as, as a traitor. And mm-hmm. he's sitting there with Zuko in the forest and is like, hears him wake up. It's just like, do you think that like I used to be friends with a firebender. Do you think we could ever be like that? And there's just like a moment of silence. And then Zuko just punches fire over at him and Aang runs away and they both like go their separate ways and, and go to sleep. And there's like that just like thought on their face and, and it hits. It's really good. It's, it's an incredibly good episode. Mm-hmm. I found, uh, yeah, it was definitely a big improvement from the early episodes as I saw you still have the character kind of acting in tropey ways in occasion. Mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. a product of his time in some ways. Uh, I thought the fortune teller episode was kind of annoying because you could see... I, I, I think a lot of Tumblr kids understandably seize upon that to say, like, aha, fuck you, religion. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I do love the line, like, you know, can your, can your science explain why it rains? Yes, yes, it can. Yes, like, it can explain why it rains. <laughs> but to me it was more it wasn't it was less that for me that was annoying and more like the whole like ang wants to get uh what's your name's attention and it's like negging her like mm, do you want a, yeah. do you want some papaya no i don't want any stupid yeah. papaya like ang sh- stop it like ang had a couple of moments where i generally like him i think he's a very earnest kid who mm-hmm. is a kid like he is realis- realistically portrayed as a child but there are moments where he's a little bit much like when he's being told yeah you can't learn fire bending because you're not ready and he's just kind of having a tantrum over this. And sure enough, yeah, he wasn't ready. He, he burned Katara. Oh, and God. That one was, that episode was really, really good. Yeah. 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 So that for me was a little bit too much like out of character for Aang. There are moments where he has like tantrums. But again, he's a kid. I can understand well, that. But 
and I don't think it was like a tantrum because it wasn't like he was he was suddenly angry or whatever. It was no, just like frustration, like bubbling to the he, surface. He like, has he has this like natural ability to bend, right? And and mm-hmm. um, Zhang Zhang, the the master, the firebending master, is kind of like I I love him by the way. He's like one of yeah, my favorite great. side characters because the whole idea of like a firebending master who is afraid of how powerful he is, like his whole speech about how he wishes he was a waterbender because they get to heal and they get to like yeah. help people. But firebenders are always like dangerously close to hurting the ones they love um, is, is really incredible. And you get to see that in Aang when he is, he's just playing. He's just like having fun mm-hmm. the way he always does with, with wind or with water. And I think it brings that thing that um, Jean Jean says at the beginning where he says like, you, you don't understand bending yet and he wants him to go master other elements because he doesn't yeah. think he's mature enough to handle fire yet and he shows it like he openly like misbends fire and then i don't think in any of the following episodes we see him use fire again even though at this point he knows how to use fire mm-hmm. um he is staying away from it because he has seen that it can be that powerful and it can hurt people around him if he's not careful and ang's not ready for that yet and for it's, sure it's really cool i like that a lot I love, like, I think this show has really excellent world building for a kid's show. Like, I love the monsters, like, the uh, episode... All the hybrid shoot, animals, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the star-nosed mole combined with a, a ferret to hunt. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's a great, great design. And it's a, just this horrible, beautiful thing. Like, and then, like, platypus bear? Not even, like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's a platybear, or, oh, my God, it's, a like, a platypus. It's, like, platypus bear. It's, like... Our, it's 5 p.m. on our Friday. That's my name. I'm going to the pub. Ship it. Whatever. <laughs> and I know there are other instances of that. Like, I think Cora has the turtle ducks. Uh, yeah. Mm. Which are adorable. But there's they're called that, turtle ducks. There's the, there's the polar bear dog. Very direct. Oh, God. The polar bear dogs are so good. So uh, good. Naga, I think, is Cora's polar yeah. bear dog. And, oh, my gosh. Um. Also, so the waterbending master is kind of like the last one for this section. Yeah. And I was kind of worried at the beginning because they were kind of doing the like misogyny is bad storyline that they did with Kiyoshi, the the warriors of Kiyoshi and all that. And we Mm -hmm. kind of talked in the pod about how that one felt like it wrapped things too cleanly. And it was very much like, oh, Sokka's okay now. Like Sokka has talked (laughs) to a girl and not been mean. So Sokka's cool now. And what I really liked about that one is that it centers it on Katara to the point that Katara even starts a fight and she's storming out and Aang is like, you don't need to do this. I can find another waterbending master. And Katara's like, this isn't about you. I am fighting this dude because he is being a just dick to me and I'm going to hit him with my water whip. And I I think it's a great moment where Katara gets to like really st- she she kind of has some weird moments where she fluctuates in and out of being like the the caretaker role and and kind mm-hmm. of being the one that has to keep the gang together as stuff goes. But she gets like some development in this one the same way that she got in the Jet episode, and I dug that. I was like Katara gets yeah. a moment that is hers exclusively. And then becomes basically a waterbending master and her, her fight with the, the waterbending master, like where she makes the ice pillar and she's throwing discs off of it and stuff. That was cool. You get that to see awesome. she she is so talented and she has become so talented on her own. And you know that she has struggled previously because she was frustrated with how Aang picked up waterbending so fast. But she has put in the hours and now she is a master. She's like he. Uh, 
no wait that might be in the next episode so we'll talk about that when we get to the next episode but um katara is like coming into her own in a way that is really cool and awesome and i'm glad to see that she's like moving out of that role of being like the one that keeps the group together and and now like yeah. she gets to be this this waterbending master and learn the ways of combat and be a healer like that's it's really yeah, cool that's important too yeah. every group needs a healer god's sakes you queue up as a healer in final <laughs> fantasy 14 you're in in a second she's the um i'm a healer but you know that image of like yeah. i'm a doctor but like cocks the gun <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys help me out with what is it about Sokka? Why is it everywhere Sokka goes, it's just like chicks are into Sokka. That's just like the the arc. Yeah, he did pick up someone in the waterbending master he picks, episode. He, he picks up somebody yeah. in the waterbending. Yeah. He picks up multiple people across season well, so, one. So later, we're, we're keeping this. So so Anthony, <laughs> we're, we're keeping this contained because Nadia has not seen all of Avatar. Oh! This, this is a first right. time watch. For, for Nadia and for Kat. Um, I do think Sokka starts to develop some amount of swagger at this point. He is, yes. he is, he, he is yeah. becoming more, and I do think like that's why the Jet episode was important for Sokka as well, is he's kind of realizing like he has to be his own man, and he has mm. to like define himself in a way that is not defined either by his, his tribes and his culture's way of interpreting masculinity which is how we kind of first see him is that he's all about being the warrior of the village Mm. and wearing the paint and building the watchtower and stuff and then later he's very much like has some outdated views let's say on on women warriors and and uh he's had a lot of his butt getting kicked and learning from it and so he's Mm -hmm. starting to develop a level of uh coming into his own that does result in him catching the eye of ua in in the water mending master yeah that was also the episode where they found the uh the character who was related to their father and was yes, uh, left yes, behind right and that's what i noticed he's actually Sokka. he can't bend and he complains a lot but he's a great engineer mm-hmm. he yes. figures out problems very easily and uh even though he can't do the magic stuff he's obviously very smart just kind of a dick uh, yeah. I did like in the Waterbending Master episode how they were just like, wow, no wonder Grandma hated you and ran away. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. She didn't love you, did she? No, you're kind of a poop head, aren't you? Yeah, I guess I am. And so the Waterbending Master now sets up, we've got kind of what the finale is going to be. We've seen that uh, Zhao has gathered his his forces. As yeah, that was say. a cool scene. Um, did we see the scene with Zuko in that one? Where he's a stowaway? Okay, yes. So so we have had the part where Zhao has tried to um tried to kill him. Like okay, cool. Pirate. I was trying not to say anything if we weren't there yet because I was trying to remember no, we if that there. was in the siege of the north or not. Um but yeah, so I've always wondered Nadia in that moment were you like was there any amount of worry over whether Zuko was okay or not? Oh, absolutely not. I knew. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, if if nothing else, I know enough about the show that I've seen the memes with him, and like I know, yeah, you, you what know he, he becomes to an extent. Leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so no, I didn't have any worry. I, I do think that is a really cool twist, um, especially like heading into it, like setting up this idea that the Fire Nation is not uh, a monolith is not yes. this single-minded nation of people that want to conquer the world, that there are a lot of different 
factions at play that there are different people that all kind of want to rise to the top i think the fire nation is actually really fascinating because it is this uh, you have like one figurehead at the top but beneath him there are all these different like fire admirals and stuff that want to mm-hmm. move up the chain and they want to like seize power and in a way they kind of want to become the fire lord themselves you know and there's a lot of that like you know, there's one Sith Lord at the top and then an ever-rotating yeah. <laughs> roster of Sith apprentices that keep trying to, like, seize power and become the big Sith at the top. And I, I dig that. So you see Zuko kind of, you know, maybe starting to acknowledge that, oh, Fire Nation's kind of messed up. They did try to blow me up. <laughs> yeah, that was a problem. But, uh, yeah, we will be continuing on with uh, more episodes next week. And that's going to be interesting to see where the story goes i'm looking forward to it so anthony are you are you an avatar fan yourself i'm biting my tongue because i'm two years out from my last watch through of it and so the uh, that's enough time that the episodes are blending together in my head at this point and i don't now that especially now that i know nadia that you haven't seen anything i don't want to throw anything out there um that's fair i i do i will like very quick comment uh, the Madame Wu episode always sorts of sort of breaks my heart. Mm. I don't know why stories about somebody who's lovesick and constantly being put down like Meng is just mm-hmm. destroy mm-hmm. and stick with me. Um, mm-hmm. But I also I, I want to talk about the relationship between the Waterbending Master and Katara. But then I'm like, I think all of that shit happens in the siege. <laughs> Uh, all the yeah. stuff that I want to talk it, about. Yes, so, yeah. I'm... A lot of stuff happens in the finale that is... And and part of me was like, oh, maybe we should have done like just two more episodes so we could have talked like all the way to the end of book one. Sure. But there is a certain character that finally makes their appearance at the end mm. of the finale. Mm-hmm. And I knew that we had to talk about that character because their their debut and becoming a major player in the world of avatar oh just mm-hmm. a really incredible character and to some degree controversial character <laughs> I, I it's it's it, it remarkable to me how i mean it's almost 20 years old now and it yeah. holds up yeah. so remarkably well uh, and you know, I loved it. Yeah, I was already out of college when the show was airing, and yet I fell in love with it. And when I watched it two years ago, my daughter was, you know, not even five yet, and she adores it. She just loves ah. it so much. She was Katara mm-hmm. for Halloween last year, and still wears the costume <laughs> regularly. Aww. Just us. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, our our dining room also has this incredible print that the team did to benefit LGBTQ causes shortly after Korra ended. And Mm, they were talking mm, about mm. how they were... Well, see, now I can't even talk about why. Can't even talk about that. (laughs) Can't even talk about that. Uh, But it's, you know, a very important thing in this household. But I, I, my memory of these episodes isn't exacting enough to just Mm -hmm. Maybe we can have you for the summary. Like, there's always a summary. I think we got to bring you back during. So the way we are watching this is that week by week, we are working our way through the episodes. Mm. So, uh, and then at the end of every month. So at the end of September, we will do our kind of book one 
recap. Oh, there you then, go. And then October yeah. we'll do book two, and then November we'll do book three. Badass. Um, so yeah, we are we are doing a full watch because don't tell Cat, but this is actually <laughs> my way of tricking Cat into watching The Legend of Korra because I. If I know anything about Cat Bailey, I know that Cat Bailey will enjoy The Legend of Korra. So I feel much. like I can make a really solid assumption on that. And Just, this has been my complex plan to make this happen on Acts of the well, Blood well, God. Thanks for blo- for for broadcasting that you gotta you gotta just <laughs> it's okay get... we're so deep into the pod now cat will never hear this <laughs> so so many uh, Nadia, you just you have so many episodes to go but waiting for you in season three of Korra is the single greatest villain in oh any animated God. show yes. of all time of all time oh, and it it's is... henry rollins <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> And somehow God. it's Henry Rollins. <laughs> By God, Henry Rollins has let he's, go of all his <laughs> earthly tethers. <laughs> he's just waiting for you at the other end. I am going to work my way there. I promise you. I I will get there. But for now, well, this is where Cat says, "Naughty, take us home." But uh, I'm going to take my cell phone. <laughs> take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Okay. So, if you're not familiar, you, you know Nadia's nostalgia enough, right, Anthony? Like, you listen to the, the show yeah. often enough to hear a terrible story. Uh, I thought I'd involve you this week and talk a little bit about... Yeah. You and I worked on a site called 61 Frames Per Second, and we're talking about, like, things that were killed before their prime. There you go, number one, right there. My, my beautiful hippie dream of a video game website. Uh, yeah, once upon a time, kids, I convinced a sex magazine to make a video game offshoot, because <laughs> why not? Amazing. <laughs> because why the hell not? I was just recalling the time. Do you remember when I, one of the things, like the best thing about this site was that we could write anything we wanted. As long as 300 words, whatever. So this is a great format for me. <laughs> and there was one time I, I I wanted to say something about sonic pornography for some reason. And just like, I don't know, I think I was making fun of the fact that sonic pornography exists. I, I think I titled it like, the internet is for sonic porn. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet oh, yeah. is for porn. And we became the top search for sonic porn and our numbers went up. Yep. Like <laughs> Our traffic killed for like for one sonic week. Porn. It was just all Mother 3 content and Sonic porn for one <laughs> solid week. I literally, my entire editorial approach for this was just the answer is yes. yes. <laughs> oh, you want to write what? The answer is yes. And they'd be like, well, what are you going to write? I'd be like, I'm going to write a 12,000 word review of the 3D Bionic Commando. It'll be aired in three separate parts across three days. We're going to do one that's just about how his wife is his arm. Watch it happen. <laughs> and then we got shut down after a year. Thanks, Bionic Commando. Yeah. You got to go you, you go out swinging in this in this industry. Not, a, not afraid of nothing. <laughs> Actually, well, it, one of the great things of all time was the day the, day the final part of this Bionic Commando uh review ran 
I wish I still had the email, but it went to my <laughs> nerve.com domain. But yeah. Jeremy Parrish, good, our, our old pal Jeremy, sent me an email, and all it said was subject line, Bionic Commando Review. And all it said <laughs> in the body was just, it's incredible. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we did it. When Bionic Commando, the, the 2D remake, came out and it revealed out of nowhere that Rad Spencer had a wife, I was like, oh, I gotta write about this wife. And not only did I write about her and like kind of speculated what she was like, I drew a picture. And it was like this real like kind of frumpy looking housewife who had a bionic arm and she had like, she was holding a lunch bag and like, you know, giving a thumbs up saying, have a good day, dear. And there was a dog. I think I told him like, you know, wonder the dog or something like some, some stupid name. And the dog was like reaching for the food and it was pretty good. Oh God. It looked like a far side cartoon out of hell. They were so, those posts where you would just draw whatever were so funny. And Bob, <laughs> like it was amazing to watch Bob write for Bob Mackey. Uh, uh, Bob Mackey. Uh, yeah. Bob Mackey was another <laughs> of our stalwarts in this endeavor. And, Bob would write things that it was like we had our very own Andy Rooney of 60 minutes, but for a video game website. And they also <laughs> were 26 years old. He was just like, I don't see why they need to make all these shooters. I was like, I can't believe our numbers aren't up. I don't get it. <laughs> I can't. I just don't understand why. Uh, there was, yeah, that week that Bob and I just wrote about Mother 3 for like, Every nothing, nothing else, just Mother 3. That was it. It was, it was like, great. Every post was about Mother 3 because it was right when the fan translation happened and mm -hmm. right yeah. when what would become Fan Gamer made their incredible homemade strategy guide. Uh, I have that. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. I, just out of the blue, it wasn't even new, but decided I was going to try and chronicle my attempt to finally beat a Pokemon game. I'd never done it. And so I picked up Pearl. It was like, fairly ah. new and rather than this being like a, a a daily diary about actually playing pokemon it was about how my chimchar was actually channeling the real spirit of peter gabriel and trying to like get the original <laughs> genesis back together peter gabriel <laughs> yeah my chimchar peter gabriel and my geo dude who was just a geo dude and then we photoshopped the the uh dude's sweater from the big lebowski onto him and <laughs> oh god i wish i still dude's had rock. some of these ridiculous photoshops we made but oh we had god. a good time though we had uh it, it, didn't i have a headline saying that um what was it sonic unleashed is worse than syphilis <laughs> <laughs> And that that one kind of sticks out to me. Oh, I would kill. I, 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 you can access for anybody intrepid enough to go hunting. You can find some of it on the Wayback Machine. Like if you go to archive.org, you can dig some of this up, but it is not easy to find. No, but no, it, it's really a shame. Someone, yeah, someone just put an image of Rillaboom in the chat saying Rill Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Zoo Batman gets it. That that Pokemon has watched someone drown and wrote a song about it. Wrote a song about it. <laughs> Wait a second. All right. Can, while while we're like here at the tail end of the show, do I have any of this still? All right. All right. Let's. Wait, wait, wait. We might want to move this to the post yeah. show. We post might show. Post show. This. Yeah. 
for sure, because it is about time to wrap things up. This has been a crazy, chaotic show, as I predicted it would be, but that is just our way sometimes. And uh, I, thank you so much for joining us. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com forward slash bloodgodpod, where you can get access to all kinds of cool additional specials. Uh, we recently took a deep dive in Trails in the Sky and determined whether or not it deserves to be enshrined as an Alzheimer in the Blood God Pantheon. How did it fare? You gotta listen and find out. For now, Eric, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at all the places the Blood God is, at Destructoid during the day and at Blood God Pod and at Norm BFM Show at night and for all times in between at C. Moosey just tweeting heinous things about how... Ken from Street Fighter 6 is now just a trash man who eats chicken nuggets <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that a little bit more in the well, post show. I will, me. don't worry. <laughs> and Anthony, where, where can we find you? Uh, I can't possibly recommend that you follow me on Twitter at A. John Agnello. I mean, Nadia knows that my, my existence is an ongoing shit post, uh, but. You can, if you so choose, follow me there. Uh, I am on two other podcasts regularly. Uh, Continue Podcast, which is ostensibly about video games. Uh, and you can go to continuepodcast.com and all of the various services. And if you're a video game music person, you can uh, follow uh, Video Game Grooves, which is about video game music on vinyl. Which, Nadia, you and I haven't gotten to talk about the fact that you're writing the liner notes now. Breath of Fire. Yeah, man. I did the liner notes for Breath of Fire 1, 2, and 3. So yeah. badass. So badass. I'm thrilled about that. I'm gonna... It's a, a lot of fun. And uh, I recommend you pre-order the albums. And uh, yeah, Bob's your uncle. Yeah, I'm going to pick those up. But yeah. So we are going to our, our post show now, which should be fun, which should be even more chaotic somehow. Uh, <laughs> so from Eric, Anthony, and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. <laughs>